Today's show is brought to you by the NBA Awards on TNT, live from New York on Monday night, June 26th. The NBA Awards show begins at 9 p.m. Eastern and will be hosted by Drake. The awards are officially changing this year. In the past, NBA Awards were announced sporadically once the season ended, but for the first time this year, the awards will be presented in person to players and recipients in a brand new NBA Awards show live on TNT. The NBA on TNT studio crew of EJ, Kenny, Chuck, and Shaq will have a large presence on the show as well. Awards presented include the Kia NBA MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Defensive Player of the Year, and much more. There's also going to be new awards that the fans will have a chance to vote on, like Best Style, Game Winner of the Year, Dunk of the Year, and Assist of the Year. Remember, don't miss out on the NBA Awards on TNT, live from New York, June 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me today is Tim Bontemps. He's a national columnist for the Washington Post. He's been covering the Golden State Warriors all year. And we finally have an NBA Finals game tonight, Timmy. Yes, Verno. Finally. You know, I I, uh, I I never wanted to cover the NFL because I like covering games, not lead up to games. And this is not like covering the NFL for the last week. So I'm, I'm very excited that we got a game tonight. And especially because yesterday was media day and it turned into a situation where it was not about basketball. Yesterday, the biggest thing to come out of media day was LeBron James and his opportunity to sit at the podium and talk about the vandalism that it was done to his house in Los Angeles. I was super impressed with LeBron. I'm always impressed. He is uh, he's very good at expressing himself in moments like that and unafraid. Right. He doesn't he doesn't stagger or stumble over his words I always feel like he he gets his point across and he's certainly unafraid to deal with issues bigger than basketball but it, it, it was kind of a shame that we've got this amazing series about to start and there's the best player in the world having to talk about his house being vandalized in a racist act yeah I mean it's obviously a terrible thing that happened and, and it's a terrible thing that had to you know, be discussed on the evil, like you said, should be a celebration of, of what should be a great series and a, and a lot of fun basketball. But, you know, LeBron has never, you know, as you said, he's never shied away from having, uh, you know, taking the opportunity to uh, use a moment like that to kind of advance the public good. I mean, he, he, there's a guy that got up at the ESPYs with LeBron and or with uh, Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and talked about gun violence and, um, you know, he, 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 he talked last year when Muhammad Ali passed away at the finals. No uh, extensively about what he meant um, to people. And LeBron, LeBron's always understood that his voice and his words can immediately start a discussion and a dialogue about any subject. So, you know, it was, it, it, that was the case yesterday, and it was really impressive stuff to see. All right, let's go through 10 questions regarding this NBA Finals with Tim Bontemps. All right, Bontemps, let's run through these one by one. Number one, would winning this series be LeBron's greatest accomplishment in your mind? It would. I think it would be to win, to beat this Warriors team with Kevin Durant, with the other pieces they have after beating them last year, uh, get him his fourth title. I do think it would be his greatest accomplishment. And personally, it would vault him ahead of Michael Jordan for me on you know, on on my list. I actually did a top 40 list this week of players since the merger, and I had Jordan 1 and LeBron 2, and, and I, I would actually flip them if, if LeBron managed to win the series, because I, I just think that 
he's that big of an underdog, it would take a pretty Herculean effort for him uh, in order to beat Golden State. You know what's funny? I, I saw your list, by the way, and I'm not even going to get involved with that. I want everybody to go check out. By the way, the illustrations are amazing um, on your top 40 list. That's the first thing that stood yeah, out. Yeah, the same ones that we did with the top 100, too. Our, our illustrator, uh, Jose Soto, is just an incredible – he just does an incredible job. The other thing that stood – and and uh, Dwight Howard – over John Stockton, come on, Bonta. I, I, I don't. I, we're not going to argue about your top forty list. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but I, I was super intrigued by the entire thing. Um, the other thing it's is fun, fun list. My son, which I'm extremely proud of, loves everything NBA. He loves uh, watching the games with oh. me. He, he loves two K, whatever. So we go and we go to. Uh, uh, Barnes and Noble last week, and he wants to get a basketball uh-huh. book. And so there's this like Sports Illustrated for Kids came out with this huge book of list, right? So it's just top ten of everything, the top ten greatest teams of oh. all time, and the top ten yeah. haircuts, and the top ten whatever. And I swear yeah. to you, I was so proud. He's sitting there at Barnes and Noble, he's flipping open the book, and he says, "Dad, this this book is wrong." And I said, "What?" And he said, they have LeBron James as the greatest player of all time over Michael Jordan. And I was like, what? I went I went and looked at the book, I swear. They have the number one greatest player of all time is LeBron James in this Sports Illustrated wow. for Kids. I was like, even he's – like, I'm like, this is really getting a big deal if he's getting in the debate. And he's like, this book is wrong. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. That is uh, such a funny story. But I do think that if uh, – there's going to be a very serious conversation if uh, there's already a serious conversation, but if LeBron pulls this sure. one off, holy mackerel. All right, number two, can Durant stay out of his own head? Now, I ripped this off from you in your finals preview in the Washington Post because I was so fascinated that this is one of the questions that you posed that you thought there was a level of importance to, and I get the sense that Durant has acknowledged this, this, this whole idea of he's got – some pressure in this series? Yeah, he's talked about that before. And, and uh, after Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals, he, you know, kind of, you know, what I, it was more interesting answers the whole playoffs kind of went, you know, kind of went into this whole diatribe about how he gets into his own head and he thinks he too much and he thinks too much and he's at his best, you know, and he just doesn't think. And, you know, he, he's a lot like LeBron uh, in kind of how they comport themselves and how they act and how they think and, you know, I, you know, this is, this is his, you know, the, the parallel for him is what happened with LeBron in 2011. You know, they go into the series against the Mavericks and they're heavily favored, and uh, you know, the, the he kind of, you know, he kind of collapsed within himself as that series went along, and the Heat lost. And you know, I, I don't expect that to happen. And the, the Warriors have way more talent than even that Heat team did. So, you know, he's got people around him to to help him out if if he does struggle, but. You know, if they do lose a game and start to get down in the series, it, it will be fascinating to see how Durant in particular responds to that. And this would be a ma- – and he it's almost like this acknowledgement, this would be a massive stain on him. Like if you go – if your team blows a 3-1 lead and then you go and sign up with the team that just won 73 games, you have to win. You have to. Yep. I mean, they, they, are, they are prohibitive favorites in the series. Uh, they added Kevin Durant. And if they don't win, it's obviously a, a, a real stain for him. And it, it's, a, it's a colossal failure for both him and the organization. I mean, he, he came to Golden State to win multiple championships starting this year. So that, that's the bar. 
They have to win. This isn't going to be a – if this is a seven-game series and they lose, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it, they, they are much better than Cleveland, and they, they should win this series uh, comfortably. And if they don't, you know, it's, it's going to be really bad for them. Number three, what has been up with Clay Thompson? I mean, you look at the numbers, and it's 38% from the field for the entirety of the playoffs so far. 14 points per game. Obviously, the scoring average is down. The percentages are down. What's been going on with Clay in your mind? Uh, well, his defense has been really good, and his defense is going to have to be uh, really good in the NBA Finals. He's going to be guarding uh, Kyrie Irving a lot. He might have won LeBron some, but I, I mean, he'll definitely guard Kyrie both the time. And uh, you know, look, it's a small sample size. They played 12 games in 48 days. Uh, I, my guess is that he's going to start hitting some shots in the finals just because the law of averages says that he'll start hitting some shots. And, you know, if there's somebody that's not going to be affected by a slump, it's Clay Thompson, who basically acts like a robot most of the time on the court. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to hit some shots, and, and I think that, that that's going to flip around real quick. I actually wouldn't be surprised at all if he has a big game tonight in game one. Uh, in part because it wouldn't shock me at all if he gets uh, Kyrie Irving on him for a decent amount of the game. And, you know, with a, a much smaller guy that's not a great defender, you know, I, I could see Clay getting over for some shots and, and getting himself going. So if they put Kyrie on, if they put Kyrie on Clay, who's on, who's Steph in your mind? I would say JR guards Steph probably. And then, uh, and then LeBron is on KD and, uh, Love and love and Draymond and and Zazan Tristan. It. I mean, I I could see them starting with Kyrie on on staff too, and maybe seeing how it goes. But I would think that you know they've they've generally tried to do everything they could to slow down staff in these matchups. So I would guess they'd start Jr. and him and and have uh, have Kyrie guard Clay. Number four. How much will the Warriors miss Steve Kerr? And if we're doing the whole advantages thing for the final, who gets the coaching check mark? Is it Mike Brown or is it Tyron Lue? I mean, I honestly think that uh, they're not going to really miss Steve at all. And that's not to say that Steve isn't a incredible coach. He is, but, um, you know, he's around all the time. Like, the funny thing about the situation the Warriors are in is that Steve is doing everything but coaching the games. Uh, he, he's in the locker room before and during and after the game. Uh, he's in practice. He's in meetings. He's, he's watching film with that. Like, he's doing everything but actually coaching the game. Um, so, and... and you know, once they're in the game, the, the substitution patterns are doing or stuff they've talked about. I mean, he, he's got a hand in all of it. So I, I really don't think they'll miss him that much. And I mean, I, I would say it's probably pretty even. I mean, I think Mike Brown has kind of been unfairly maligned as a coach. I, I think he's a very good coach. He's coached in the finals before. Um, he's got a bunch of teams to the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's more of a defensive coach, but uh, he, he still has been there before, and he obviously Ty Lue did a great job last year getting them to the finals, and now he's got it back there again. So I, I don't really have a lean one way or the other in the coaching match between the two of them, but I, I also don't think that uh, you know the Warriors are getting a huge setback by not having Steve on the sideline when he's doing everything else leading up to and after the game. I must be honest. I find Mike Brown to be an intensely likable guy. And I get that now, all right, he's on the sideline for the Warriors. I yep. thought previously, I thought he was terrible in the, in the previous stops <laughs> when he was when he was coaching other teams. I was never I was never a huge fan of Mike Brown. But again, you could probably throw me on the Warrior sidelines, uh, and that's not that's not to malign him. That is, no. that's just the truth no, of the situation. Anybody could right. win in that situation, right? Right. 
they have a ton of talent. They have a great staff. They, they, they have guys that have been there a long time. They have veteran players. I mean, it's, it, it's a situation that any guy who's been in this spot before um, could handle. Um, you know, and I, I also think, like, not to get completely sidetracked on Mike Brown, but, like, go back and look at the team that LeBron won 66 games with in 2009. Like, I, I know that LeBron is incredible, but I, I think Mike Brown also deserves the credit for that team getting the Eastern Conference Finals and being really good when it was just a pile of garbage. No, and I might be, listen, I might I might be, like you said, he's been unfairly maligned. I mean, maybe I'm misremembering in the words of, uh, you know, Roger Clemens or whoever. Well, no, a lot of people agree with you, I think. I just, I think, just never, know, I, just every, think I never, when, when he got fired, I never thought, what the hell? Like, I mean, I thought, <laughs> right? right? Like, there's some of these guys, when they get right. fired, you're like, what in the world? What are you doing? Uh, that never happened right. with Brown, to me. Right. No, it's, and that's fair. But I, I think you're, I think the, the greater point, uh, and, or the, the larger point that's, that's accurate is that the Warriors needed a veteran coach who'd been in the playoffs before to be able to step in for them if they needed somebody to mind the shop in exactly this scenario. And, and so in this, in this situation, Mike Brown is about the perfect fit for them. And the fact that Steve could still be around and be involved it's kind of the best of both worlds for them. And the other th- the other bar I would use is if he were to parlay this, somebody needs a head coach in the offseason and a franchise hires Mike Brown, no fan base would be excited about that. I promise you. Right. No, which is which is also true. Uh, yeah. which I I would I, I'd be the first to agree with that too. I mean, yeah. I I I and I understand that nobody would be excited about him. I just think he's a decent coach and you know, I I also don't think that if the Warriors Win the win the NBA Finals to go you know what fourteen and zero or fourteen to one or fourteen to two with Mike Brown as their coach. I also don't think that Mike Brown has become Red Hour back. <laughs> Number five, who sees a reduction in playing time? Is there an obvious one to you? Because we have seen in these playoffs where there there are some players that just become unplayable, or coaches just decide they're not going to play them. Right, the Spurs. We didn't even see Dwayne Dedman almost at all, right? By the time it got to the Warriors series, uh, uh, you, there's that famous moment in the Oklahoma City uh, Houston series where Billy Donovan's turning to Mo Cheeks and he's talking about Canther and he's like, "I can't play him." Um, who right. is is there somebody that is going to be obviously rendered unplayable in this series? I wouldn't say unplayable, but I think that Kevin Love's role will be will diminish as the series goes series goes on if Cleveland's going to be competitive. Uh, what? It's not a knock. It's not a knock on Love. It's but in this series, he and Tristan Thompson are both centers, uh, and it, it's going to be hard for them, I think, to play those two guys together. And uh, I would think that they're going to have to play Tristan over Love uh, if they have to pick one. So. You know, I, I'm not that I don't think that's why I said I wouldn't go as far as say as unplayable because I, I love's obviously going to play, but you know, to me, I think that at some point Cleveland's best option is going to be going small around Tristan and Love and alternating them at center um, because they're going to have to be able to guard and switch on the Warriors, switch against the Warriors defensively, and you start getting Love and Kyrie Irving into switches, you're going to be in trouble. So. That's my that's my prediction for if, if this this series gets interesting. It's in part because the the Cavs are able to have some success playing smaller with with Love shifting to more of a backup behind Tristan. How about the Warriors bigs? I mean, the Warriors bigs are all. I mean, they're all 
kind of interchangeable anyway. I mean, I think you could see, you know, guys like, you know, JaVale McGee end up not playing at all. Uh, you know, David West, Dallas Petrulli, could see their minutes drop. I mean, you know, if, if their, their break last case of emergency move is to, to go to the, the, the death lineup with Draymond at center. And if, if they're struggling, they'll, they'll just go to that and all those big guys will stop playing. They haven't done that a lot. No, they haven't. I don't. I don't think they like to wear on uh, on Draymond. I, I think they're. I think they're cognizant of the fact that it's hard for him to play those minutes while he's able to do it. I think they're trying to take the long view and have him, you know, be, you know, not get worn down, you know, playing like that unless they have to. Which is why, you know, now they they, they haven't really used it at all. And now, if you get to the finals and you want to. You really need to roll it out there. You, you've got a fresh and rested Draymond ready to go, ready to do it. Number six, speaking of, who is Draymond Green going to get into it with? Uh, who's he going to get into it with? I would say probably Tristan Thompson. Probably Tristan and LeBron at different points, but I, I would say Tristan Thompson. Uh, Tristan, Tristan's a pretty fiery guy, as is, as is Draymond, and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get into it at some point. And I'm sure at some point LeBron and, and Draymond will jaw at each other. Uh, you know, we'll see if Draymond tries to take a swipe at him like he did last year in Game Four, which kind of was the, the beginning of the chain reaction that led to Golden State losing. But uh, you know, I, I I would say those are probably the two leading candidates. You notice I didn't ask um, if Draymond was going to get it in, uh, get it, get into it with uh, somebody. Yeah. Like it's 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 inevitable. <laughs> yeah, it is inevitable. It is inevitable unless Golden State is. is is stomping him, and then it might just be celebrating. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it it it's always inevitable with him that in a moment like this, he's going to get into it with somebody. We'll get right back to it. A quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the new Spotify original podcast, Mogul: The Life and Death of Chris Lighty. Hosted by co-founder of Loudspeakers Network, Reggie Osei, a.k.a. Combat Jack, Mogul tells the story of Chris Lighty, the music executive who changed hip-hop and shaped the careers of some of its most beloved artists. From LL Cool J to Missy Elliott to 50 Cent, Chris Lighty had one of the most illustrious careers in music and rose to the pinnacle of musical success before an untimely end. The story is broader than just music. It's the story of the American dream. Follow and listen to Mogul, the life and death of Chris Lighty, every week. Produced by Gim Media and Loudspeakers Network. New episodes of the Spotify original podcast Mogul, The Life and Death of Chris Lighty release every week. Listen and follow on Spotify. Number seven, how hurt is Iguadala? This seems like the major mystery that nobody really knows. And so what do you think in terms of his level of health and how important is said level of health? Do they have to have Iguadala at you know, ninety, a hundred percent, and how? What do you, what do we make of it? Because this has been kind of under wraps. Nobody really knows what to expect with what they're going to get out of Iguodala, who, of course, was a Finals MVP just two years ago, and is the guy that you would like to spend a majority amount of time on LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, do they need him to win the series? No, uh, but will it? Will it make their? There, does it make their advantage substantially wider if he's healthy and ready to go? Yes, which is why, you know, it is something to your point that's really interesting to look at. You know, it, it is hard to say. You know, he he's kind of said that he's all right, and you know, he, he came back and played at the end of the Spurs series and had some moments, but didn't look great. Um, you know, I, I'm fascinated to see how he looks because. 
you know, if, if he is off and they do need to use other guys on LeBron, well, all of a sudden things get a little more interesting. So, um, you know, I guess to answer your question, how hurt is he? Uh, I think he's banged up. It, it, it's kind of unclear if it's if it's going to be bad enough to really limit him. But you know, he certainly had a lot of time off, and you know, if he if he comes back to start this series after all the time off they've had, and he still doesn't look great, uh, that's not a great sign for um, for his chances of, of improving as the series is what should be a really taxing physical series continues. Who do you think they put on LeBron? You said you think LeBron's going to match up with Durant. Do you think that's going to happen on the other side, or do you think they're going to put Draymond on him? Obviously, when the bench guys come in, you've got either a Iguodala or a Livingston, and they'll they'll probably and and of course they try to get you know in in pick and rolls all the time with him. So you've got to be kind of interchangeable. But who do you think spends the majority of the time on LeBron? I mean, if Iguodala's healthy, you'll get a ton of time on him. Uh, Durant will guard him a lot. Draymond will guard him a lot. And I think Clay Thompson and Sean Lewis will both get smaller dose of him. But uh, I think the other three guys, you know, Draymond, uh, Draymond, Katie, and, and Iguodala, you know, assuming they're all healthy, will get the wide share of the bench on him for sure. You think when they come out tonight in that first possession, do you think Durant's the one guarding LeBron? Uh, no, because that's not really how Golden State plays. So I don't, I don't think they'll do that. And I I think that, uh, you know, if Durant comes out trying to go mano a mano with LeBron, that goes back to what we were talking about, about, uh, Durant getting into his own head, right? Like they, they need, if they, they need to come out and play the way they play. And if they come out and play the way they play and are focused, they'll be fine. So if, if Durant tries to turn this into a, a one-on-one show, that, that I think that's a matchup Cleveland will happily take. Number eight, which of the bench players on either team or on both teams do you think is the most important? And let's throw out Iguodala because he's quasi-starter. Sure. Right? Sure. Sure. Um, I, I, it's not one player, but it's, it's can... Can Cleveland's bench players play in the series? Um, can can Kyle Korver stay on the court, uh, or is he such a defensive liability that he can't play? Uh, my opinion is he probably won't be able to play. Can Channing Fry play? I don't think he'll be able to play. Can Darren Williams play? He he might be able to play, but again, all those guys are at this point in their careers offense first guys, and. Against this Golden State team, if you have offense-first guys out there against you know a, a group with most of their core players out there, you, they just are assassins in attacking those guys. Um, you, if you go back and look at the Martin Luther King Day game when the, the two teams last played here, uh, whenever Kyle Korver got in the court, he got uh, viciously attacked by the Warriors every time. Whoever he was guarding was just going at him. And so to me, if those guys could stay on the court, that gives that gives the Cavs a ton of firepower and the ability to have LeBron run those you know basically all spread units where he's out there running the point playing like Magic Johnson hitting three point shooters everywhere. Um, that's when he's at his best and that's when they're at their most deadly. So that, that those, whether those guys can play or not to me is is one of the real key uh, one of the real key uh, things to watch for in this series as we get going. How about on the Warrior side? I don't know if they really have an important bench guy. Um, 
you know, like me, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess what I would say is that, you know, Ian Clark is kind of an unheralded guy, but, you know, Golden State, you already know, is going to get a bunch of production from their stars. And if, if Ian could come in off the bench and, and hit a few threes and give them some scoring, um, it, it's going to make Cleveland's job that much tougher. Am I wrong uh, in this? So, it felt like, like it felt like last year, you know, like with the or this this incarnation of the Warriors for the last three years that they would used to be Livingston and Barbosa and whoever they could come off the bench and they could just even if even if the lead was twelve, you know, it was likely that like when they came out of the game that lead might be twenty or twenty two, and it doesn't feel like that yeah. now. It feels like you're kind of waiting for the starters to come back in, and you're just asking for the bench guys to hold down the fort or not blow the lead. Yeah, I mean they have an interesting team because you know everybody freaked out when they got Durant. Oh, how are they going to play? How are they going to get Clay and stuff on the shots? And they need to put Clay on the bench. All this, all this crazy stuff, right? Well, the the truth is they built the team basically where those three guys take all the shots and then everybody else takes a few shots. And, you know, Ian is the one guy on the bench who's that microwave guy, right? Like last year they had Barbosa and Mo Spades. And, like, those guys come in and jack up a bunch of shots and uh, and, and make things interesting. And, you, you know, it could kind of go on individual hot streaks on their own. And, you know, Ian Clark is that guy for the Warriors this year. And, He's had a good year. He's going to be a restricted free agent. I think he's going to get a pretty good contract this summer and end up playing somewhere else. And, you know, this is this is a big opportunity for him to come out in the finals and make some shots and, and, and put himself on display for teams. So, you know, I, if I had to pick a bench guy for them, I, I, obviously outside of Iguodala, I would, I would say Ian has a chance to really make a big impact being that, that extra score off the bench they could use. How about that, Ian Clark? By the way, I cannot let it. Uh, I cannot let it pass. That is Memphis's own Ian Clark. By the way, I mean, you know who could use Ian Clark? The Memphis Grizzlies. So. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I, no, I'm serious. I mean, I, I, I mean, look for a team that always needs shooting. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you get him with the mid level to to be in your guard rotation and you know play off the ball and 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 shoot shoot some threes for, I I think he I think he actually makes sense for them. Uh, number nine, is it good or bad if the Warriors win for the league? Is it good or which is it? Yeah, is it good or bad if the Warriors win this? It feels like there is going to be a massive amount of the country that are going to be rooting for them to lose, right? People don't want to see. They stack the deck. Right. They have made this unfair. And so now, right. you know, Cleveland is the underdog. LeBron is like the underdog for the first time in forever. Um, and so it is this opportunity to, you know, people want the, you know, shade and fruit, as they say, right? Oh, you st- you had 73 sure. wins and you added the one of the top five players in the world. People sure. are going to want sure. them to fall on their face. Um, but let's say they do, and let's say they go out and they just beat the shit out of the Cavs. Is that bad, <laughs> or is it, you know what I mean, is that bad for the league? Yeah. Go, because we look at it and we go, all right, we knew this was this is exactly what we thought last summer, and this sucks. I, I, listen, I, I think if the NBA, what the NBA would like is for this series to be competitive. Uh, I don't think they really care who wins. Uh, if, if, the, if the Warriors win... Uh, if this is like the the Heat Thunder series, where it's five games and it's uh, if they're all nip and tuck games and it's really competitive, then 
Uh, I think the league will be perfectly happy with the outcome regardless of who wins. I think if it's like the Spurs Heat Series the, the second time, which is kind of what I think this is going to be like, where the Spurs came in and, and blew the doors off Miami, uh, I think the league will be crushed. They, they need a great series to make up for what has been an abysmal playoffs. And if this is a bore uh, and either team wins in a romp and it's not interesting, uh, that's, that's going to be kind of the, you know, the exclamation point on what's been a, a really boring couple of months in the NBA. So, you know, I, I think rather than if it's good or bad, if the Warriors win, uh, I, while, while all your points about them are well-founded and I, and I think that, you know, there are, there are tons and tons and tons of people who would like to see them lose. Uh, I think that, you know, from the NBA standpoint, they're just, they're just rooting for this to be long and competitive. Just have the fourth quarters be relevant. I mean, I swear, right. it feels right. like 75% of the games in these playoffs, the fourth quarter was irrelevant. And that is, that's yeah. bad. That's bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, go back and, like, and the other problem, too, is that last year's playoffs were so great. Yep. Uh, you know, you had, you had the, the Spurs Thunder Series, you had the Thunder Warriors Series, and you had Warriors Cast. It was just, incredible series back to back to back and huge moments at Duncan's last game and the three, one comeback for the Warriors in the conference finals and blowing the through and lead to the Cavs, the Cavs winning of all this stuff. And this year, none of that's really there, right? Like everybody, like the drama hasn't really been there in the playoffs. Nobody's like, you know, nobody on the Warriors got hurt. Like last year, uh, the Cavs have been fine. Like they've, they've steamrolled everybody. So yeah, they just, they just really need and want this series to be, uh, entertaining and interesting, and, and whatever else happens, if that happens, they'll take it. And number 10, the Warriors are a seven-point favorite tonight, Bontemps. Yes, they are. Who you got? Do you think it's... I got the Warriors tonight. I got the Warriors tonight, and I got the Warriors in the series. You think it's a blowout tonight? Uh, my inclination is to say yes. The one thing I wonder about is they did not, right? Remember they had had all that time off, and then they came out, and they looked weird at game one of that Spurs series, and we were all like, what in the hell is going on here? They didn't look great. They didn't look great in the first game of the Utah series either. I mean, it wasn't nearly as pronounced, but they didn't look great. Um, Look, the Warriors really didn't care for much of this season, and they still won 67 games. And... They were essentially biding their time for the last eight months to get to this game and get to this series. They wanted to play Cleveland again, and they wanted to destroy them. Let me just take a quick timeout, okay? Sure. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like Cleveland gave a crap either. They were like 20, no, 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 30. no, no. I agree. No, yeah. I agree. I'm just, I agree. I'm just yeah. saying. They clearly, Cleveland clearly didn't give a crap at all. They were, I mean, they were asleep for half the season. Uh, I'm just saying, from the Warriors' standpoint, they, they've been waiting for this moment from the moment the Cavs won the finals last year. It, here in Game 7 at Oracle, winning on their home court, blowing the three, you know, coming back from that 3-1 deficit to win the finals. You know, LeBron hoisting the, the trophy on, on the Warriors' court. They've been waiting for this opportunity ever since. And, you know, I, I just think that after kind of being in cruise control all season and still winning 67 games and still having the best offense in the league 
and still having, you know, by a tenth of a point uh, out of being the best defense in the league while being in cruise control most of the time. To me, I just feel like in this series, they're just going to put on the Jets. And I, I just don't think there's, there's any team, maybe that's ever existed, that can compete with this team when they're fully locked in and engaged. And look, if anybody can prove me wrong with that, it's LeBron James. And as a basketball fan, I hope that I'm wrong and the series is competitive because I would love nothing more than for it to be the same kind of, you know, back and forth affair that last year was. It would be a lot of fun. And, and like, like we just talked about, the playoffs have stunk, right? Like, we'd love nothing more than to spend the next two and a half weeks talking about how great the NBA Finals are and how amazing all these players are playing against each other and all the different things that happen. But I, I just think that Golden State has too much for Cleveland and uh, as long as they stay healthy, and like I said before, as long as they don't, uh, you know, start deviating from what they what they do, if they do kind of they stick to their game plan and play the way they're supposed to, uh, to me, I just don't really see how Cleveland can contain them and and guard them. And and so, you know, I, I think the Warriors do win tonight. Uh, I take the points, and I uh, I would take them to win the series five games. He is Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps. Enjoy it. I can't wait. I'm so glad that uh, there's finally another basketball game, and here's hoping that it is at least competitive by the time we get to the fourth quarter because we have had a uh, dearth of those type of games over the course of the last couple months. Enjoy it, man. I'll be reading you. Thanks, Tim. Anytime, Verno, man. Happy to do it. Thanks for listening to another Ringer NBA show. That's going to do it for us today. We will talk to you next Tuesday. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we'll talk to you next week. Today's NBA show brought to you by the new Spotify original podcast, Mogul, The Life and Death of Chris Lighty. Produced by Gimlet Media and Loudspeakers Network, Mogul details the illustrious hip-hop career of Chris Lighty and the rise to success before an unfortunate and untimely end. This story is broader than just music. It's a story of the American dream. Follow and listen to Mogul, The Life and Death of Chris Lighty every week on Spotify.